Hi everyone, welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to next year's Oscars. I'm Nick Rockrow. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And today we're bringing back an episode format that we did quite a few times last year. It is They Won for That. So we'll be going over two actors and their Oscar wins, including a film that they had together. So we'll be looking at those films, including just talking about films from their careers and if we think that they deserve to win for that movie or if we would have given it to them for something different. So those two actors are Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis. Their iconic film together, Thelma and Louise, will be finishing the episode with that movie, but we'll be starting by talking about The Accidental Tourist, which is what Gina Davis won for, and Dead Man Walking, which is what Susan Sarandon won for. You were very correct in wondering what I would think about The Accidental Tourist. So I'm excited, question mark, to talk about that and these other films. I feel like there's a gradient that we'll be (laughs) arranging these films in. So I'm excited to talk about these movies and to see what you think of them too. Yeah, so one of the reasons why we came up with the They Won for That series is because this is a really popular phenomenon with the Academy where... An actor rarely wins for their best performance or the performance that you tend to associate them with. So for actors like Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, they are both iconic, especially for the time period that we're going to be talking about today, which is the 80s, like late 80s into the 90s. And I think that when most people think about Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon separately and together, of course, they think of Thelma and Louise. I certainly do. I feel like they are both just absolutely incredible in that movie. And they add so much flair to those characters where you just feel like it's kind of impossible to separate them from those roles, even if they have other films that you can certainly look at in their filmography as ones that stand apart, like Beetlejuice and... A League of Their Own, which is one of my favorite Gina Davis performances, or Rocky Horror Picture Show, Bull Durham for Susan Sarandon. Like, there are so many good ones. But yeah, I think that this might be the most apt edition of this theme of all of the ones that we've done so far. Both of these are head scratchers for different reasons as to why they won. So let's get started with The Accidental Tourist from 1988. Description here, an emotionally distant writer of travel guides must carry on with his life after his son is killed and his marriage crumbles. This is directed by Lawrence Kasdan. It stars William Hurt, Gina Davis, and Kathleen Turner. This is based on the novel of the same name by Ann Tyler. This won one Oscar for supporting actress for Gina Davis and was nominated for three others, picture, adapted screenplay, and original score. This had a really interesting award season. It actually won Best Film at the New York Film Critics Circle. I gasped when I saw that. I don't think it would play well for critics groups today. Not to step on maybe what we think of the film or um, how it's perceived today, but it won that. And it also won the USC Scripter Award. A little bit about the Oscars that year. So like we mentioned at the top, Gina Davis won Best Supporting Actress. She won for her portrayal of Muriel Pritchett, who is this quirky, eccentric, wacky dog trainer. And she beat Joan Cusack for Working Girl, Frances McDormand for Mississippi Burning, Michelle Pfeiffer for Dangerous Liaisons, and Sigourney Weaver for Working Girl. It's a good lineup, too. So Mm -hmm. she didn't win in a weak lineup either. She won in a really strong one. And I think when we think about Gina Davis, too, she first starred in Tootsie. She's in The Fly, Beetlejuice, A League of Their Own, which we talked about in our first season. And most recently, she won the Jean Herschel Humanitarian Award in 2020. She actually has done a lot of work on media inclusion. And she actually, in 2004, launched the Gina Davis Institute on Gender and Media. And this was actually due to her Oscar win for The Accidental Tourist and how she saw the reception to that. So it's kind of interesting when you think about that. There's some great interviews with her that you can read and we can share in the description. But let's start, I think, with Gina Davis. Do you love Gina Davis? What do you think of when you think of her? And then we can dive into the movie. 
I do really like Gina Davis. I feel like she's kind of this elusive actress and presence in film. I feel like I knew her growing up from A League of Their Own, which is a movie we really love. We talked about on the pod before, a movie that was cruelly underappreciated by the Academy with a whopping zero Oscar nominations. I think she could have gotten a nomination there. She earned a Golden Globe nom, but that didn't transfer over. So she's been in some really iconic, memorable films. I didn't know about The Accidental Tourist until... I told you you had to watch it. <laughs> when when we were figuring this out and I said, oh, she won for... What was that movie? What is that? So I think to go back and to hear about how the movie did, again, I yeah, when it won the New York Film Critics Circle, I was like, really? This movie? And looking at the lineup, is just insane that, again, she won for this role that, yes, she makes her own, and she had to, I think, to stand out. I think it's also really telling that the star of this movie, William Hurt, wasn't nominated. But love Gina Davis. I'm glad she's here. I'm glad she won. But this feels like a reversal that we normally see at the Oscars where somebody gives a really great role they don't win for it, and then they win the next year or a couple years later for something that is lesser than, but it's more of like they they deserved it. We realize that now this is an apologetic win of sorts. But here, she has Thelma afterwards, which I think is the, the better work, but she wins beforehand, so maybe that's why she doesn't win again later. We can mm-hmm. talk about who is up for actress that year, but... This movie ended, and I was just kind of like, what? What did I just watch? (laughs) That's it? There are quite a few issues I have (laughs) with this movie. (laughs) Oh. But, yeah, talk about Gina Davis, what you like about her, and then we can get into the movie and what you thought of that as well. Yeah, so I also love Gina Davis. When I think of her, I think of Thelma and Louise and A League of Their Own, which are back-to-back. I think those are two of the best roles of her career, and... Thelma and Dottie. Just very different, but also perfectly Gina Davis. And this one, so I actually knew about The Accidental Tourist for a really long time, weirdly. So this is a movie that my parents have on VHS and DVD. So I had seen it kind of like around the house. Yes. You had seen it when you were young or you just, the physical media was around and you knew what it was? The physical media was around, and I knew what it was. I watched it for the first time in high school, and I didn't like it. Okay. And then I read the book, The Accidental Mm. Tourist, by Ann Tyler, and I have to say, this is going to shock the ears of listeners, but I really liked it when I watched it last week. (laughs) Oh, no. I know that people don't like this movie, and that is absolutely okay. I, I get it. I get that it is not for everyone. It is very slow. It is a movie where you could say not a, not a lot happens. It can be a little sleepy. I, when I first watched it, I think had a big issue with the William Hurt performance, specifically in his monotone delivery, in how just dull he seems and kind of disinterested in the world around him. But that is exactly what the character in the book is like. So mm-hmm. I think he actually did a really good job of embodying Macon Leary. And the thing about Ann Tyler and her books is that she creates these very complicated characters that are oftentimes very ordinary, too. But they've experienced something in their lives that provokes some sort of shift. So like for Macon, it's the death of his son and then his marriage falling apart. And she introduces these very weird, eccentric personalities that often have unique occupations, too. And when people think of the accidental tourist, I think they think of the Muriel Pritchett character first, because she is just so strange. I have no idea why a dog trainer would be wearing nylons like that, but she is. I think of this character every year if I hear the song I'm gonna lasso Santa Claus around Christmas and how she's just singing that and I don't think this film is like is particularly cinematic it doesn't have cinematography that takes your breath away or anything like that I don't find Kasdan's filmmaking to be particularly inspiring 
However, I really love these characters and how strange they are. Their little eccentricities, like Macon's sister and how she organizes all of her groceries and her cabinets in alphabetical order. Just little things like that that I think you will respond to more if you like Ann Tyler's work or if you're familiar with her. But yeah, I don't know. I responded to it much more positively than I did when I was younger. Again, I know that will shock people because I know a lot of people are very, very hard on this movie, but I just slipped right into it when I was watching it with my mom and we re- we had a nice time. So were there details from the book that helped you to enrich the world of the movie that to fill in gaps maybe, or it was just a different experience the second time around? I think it was just a different experience because I really do think like my biggest issue the first time I watched it was that William Hurt performance. Mm-hmm. I was like, this man is asleep at the wheel in this movie. What is going on <laughs> when I first watched it? And then I realized that that was the character he's playing. He's a very dull man who is like not grieved the loss of his son properly. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't really know how to deal with that. And then the relationship that he has with Muriel, I think I appreciated more after reading the book too, because I think it's also really easy to find that character somewhat insufferable. I think she's saved by Gina Davis's performance because Gina Davis even said at the time when she got the role and after the movie premiered that from now on, when people read The Accidental Tourist, they will picture her. And I think that that's, that's true. I, and I think that she doesn't really, for me at least, I don't know. It might sound, again, strange, but I feel like her, her characters seem like real people who you don't really see on screen in any other way. So I get that it can be off-putting for people or confusing, but for me, I find like a charm in it. It's happy and sad at the same time. For me, the William Hurt performance wasn't dull. I mean, I understood the grieving part or the lack of grieving part and how he'd kind of numbed himself to reality. He's this traveler who, I mean, they start off the movie going through the book that he is writing. And he says, there are few necessities in this world that don't come in travel-sized packets. Always bring a book as a protection from strangers. It really is like making the world accessible to... Americans and keeping your way of life. So I think that in and of itself, you learn so much about him and who he is. And when his publicist, right? Julian, played by Bill Pullman. Who is Dottie Henson's husband in oh, right. A League of Their Own. There are a lot of parallels. We have yeah. Kasdan having worked with Hurt and Turner before on Body Heat, which I need to see. But then later he worked with Hurt on The Big Chill, which I love. You definitely need to see Body Heat. Hopefully a much hotter movie than this. Yeah, it goes without saying. (laughs) (laughs) But when he comes over, and I love the part when he shows him the different illustrations, and you have that armchair with the wings. I think that is just so telling again for who Macon is. But it is very slow in the fact that the ending is him smiling, and that is like coming full circle for this character. It's like... I'm going to need a little bit more than this because right before that, he has this dilemma that, you know, these two women are pining over him basically, and he gets to decide. And that's kind of his moment of realization, which is not my favorite trope of these types of movies. I feel like Sarah Kathleen Turner's character is pretty thin. She doesn't get to do much, but I think Kathleen Turner does a good job. But in thinking about Gina Davis and Muriel, I mean, it made me think of No Hard Feelings, and if Jennifer Lawrence was, like, a dog trainer, I feel like this is, like, the modern day (laughs) wacky (laughs) performance. (laughs) Even though she didn't work there, I was like, I I could see her in something like this. Well, it's funny that you say that, because I was going to ask you, if this were made today, who would you put in this role? Because there's a fine line, I think, between it being a kooky role and being an annoying or irritating role. Mm-hmm. And who would be making Leary? I have two options for that one. Is one of yours Adam Driver? I feel like he could do that. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because he can do the Feels the like Patterson. Yeah. Yep. Or Paul Mescal. He's like a little, a little young. 
My other option is a little young too, I guess. I was actually thinking of Joe Alwyn um, because he got very similar criticisms actually of his performance in Stars at Noon. Uh, I could see that, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Another movie you didn't like. (laughs) Absolutely not. Very slow. These are actually somewhat similar. (laughs) And is she like somewhat younger in the book than the wife? Or is age not really a thing for her character? I don't remember how old she is in the book, but she is younger. That's always how I interpreted it. Mm -hmm. Because her son is younger, too, than their son was when he was killed. I think Jen is too comical for this. Again, she's done drama, too, so not really. But I joke, but I think she could take this to, like, where it needs to be. She's not exactly the same as Gina, but who would you cast as Muriel today? My first instinct actually was to go towards just keep the the stars at noon duo and just have Margaret Qualley. But I think I think Jennifer Lawrence could do it. She's also tall like Gina Davis. And I think that Gina Davis in both Thelma and Louise and really in all of her roles, but also in The Accidental Tourist, her height is a part of the character. Like it is just baked into it naturally. This might be too like deadpan, but Ayo Adabiri, like her theater camp performance. I don't know if this movie does work today, though. Like it does feel very of the time to me like it feels very 80s i think they could update the occupations and change them to make it work because i think this is different with social media and i feel like her character is somewhat progressive and not what i was expecting at all and i think some of those older tropes from the 80s of the girl trying to get the guy and like having to try over and over and over and over and over without much success i feel like that could be updated I like what Gina's doing here, but I guess I kind of expected more going into watching this movie, knowing she won an Academy Award for it. Yeah. And she was a surprise winner, too. A lot of people thought that Sigourney Weaver was going to win for Working Girl. I think of all the movies that are nominated for this category, that one is the most widely known. And then I would say Dangerous Liaisons, the ones that feel the most timeless. I agree. And this, I think this movie has kind of fall into history a little bit because the other movies are just more well-loved today. Ann Tyler is not for everyone, but the people who really love Ann Tyler, like my mom, also really like this movie. Mm -hmm. And I think her characters really click with some people and not for others. But I need to know what you thought of Edward, the corgi. So sweet. Oh, I saw the corgi and I was like, oh, yay. Mm -hmm. But... He's also awful. He's very aggressive. He's he's a brat. But he also belonged to Ethan. He was his dog. So Edward's yeah. grieving too. That's by true. Biting. That's true. <laughs> the one thing I will say too about the book is that I think the Sarah role, the Kathleen Turner part, is a little bit more fleshed out in the book than in the movie. Because in the movie, I think there is sort of a jump when you're like, wait, why does she want to be with him again? Mm-hmm. She's better off. And he addresses that. Like, you don't need me anymore. Like, you're good on your own, essentially. Um, but I think the book does go deeper in that. And I, But I am glad that the movie does focus on some of the supporting characters. Like I mentioned, I like his sister, Rose. I'm not, like, a staunch accidental tourist defender, but... You will be in 10 years. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I do defend it more than most people. I'll say that. I think it's worth the watch. You would nom this. I would bomb this. I think that's fair. I do think it would have been better if Ann Tyler helped write the screenplay. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? So I actually wouldn't give it to Gina Davis. I do think that she is the person that people think of when they think of this movie. But I would actually give it to John Williams for the score. I really like the score. I think that he uses, there's a little bit of Home Alone in it. I mm-hmm. caught a little bit of that when I was listening to it. And it adds this light, warm touch to the movie that I really respond to. What about you? Best actor for William Hurt. Is I'm Gonna Lasso Santa Claus a real song? Yeah, it's a real song. <laughs> I want to give it original song for that. <laughs> because otherwise, 
I'm really stretched then to figure out another category to give it. If you can't think of anything, I will ask, who would you have voted for in Supporting Actress that year? I've only seen Dangerous. You haven't seen Working Girl? Mm-mm. I think you would give it to Joan Cusack I probably, for Working Girl. That's what I'm feeling. Yeah. I feel like I would, too. This is an Oscar Wilde first, and I feel <laughs> kind of embarrassed that I'm doing this, but I don't think Gina Davis deserved the Oscar for this movie particularly. Give me like another 30 minutes and you'll find out why. And I think score is really close for me too. But again, I have another score coming that I like more. And I really do think in like three months, you're going to ask me about this movie and I'm going to say, what? What movie? You know, (laughs) after this one, (laughs) the New York Film Critics Circle, according to my beloved book, Inside Oscar, people were making a lot of jokes about having to be like shaken awake at screenings or and they really criticize critics for voting for it so Mm -hmm. it was also disliked at the time i mean it had its supporters obviously it had its defenders and people did really love it it had to be loved for it to win some awards but people were also very critical of it back then and i think that's also contributed to its reputation now and how it's a somewhat forgotten movie especially compared to things like dangerous liaisons and working girl but yeah, I'll remind myself to ask you in a few months, and I will not be surprised if you've forgotten it. I just think four nominations for this movie, especially with recent movies that haven't even gotten that, is absurd. Yes, but it is also better than some movies recently that, that have, have more. gotten Correct. more, Correct. But I will say. Some movies yeah. that won Oscars last year <laughs> are not as good as this movie. That's fine, though. Okay, let's talk about Dead Man Walking. Description here. A nun, while comforting a convicted killer on death row, empathizes with both the killer and his victim's families. This was directed by Tim Robbins, who also adapted the screenplay. This stars Susan Sarandon and Sean Penn. This won one Oscar for actress for Sarandon and had three other noms for director, actor for Penn, and original song for Dead Man Walking by Bruce Springsteen. So a little about Susan Sarandon. This is her only win, which is crazy. This year at the Oscars, she won over Elizabeth Shue from Leaving Las Vegas, Sharon Stone in Casino, Meryl Streep in The Bridges of Madison County, and Emma Thompson in Sense and Sensibility. Another crazy list. Iconic performances. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I love Susan Sarandon. I think she's transformative in anything that she is in. I feel like she has such great delivery, such commitment, and especially here as Sister Helen Prejean, you believe every line. And I think with spiritual movies or movies about religion, you really look to these characters. And I think what she does here creates one of the most morally complex movies and religious movies in particular that I've seen ever. I think the political side to it, and again, maybe it's a little dated now, but is still relevant. But the questions it asks about her character having these conversations with a convicted felon on death row, going back to the victim's families and having those conversations, I think it gives a real portrait to a story like this that not many people, hopefully, you know, have to experience something like this. So I really like what she is doing here. Whether I believe in the circumstances or what is happening, I think Susan is like beyond convincing of her work and what she is doing. So I think it makes for a really compelling movie. What do you think about this movie and about Susan Sarandon? I really like Susan Sarandon. This movie's interesting because of her personal connections to it in her past, present, and future, really, with the issues that are being discussed here. So Susan Sarandon was raised Catholic and went to Catholic schools, like, most of her life. So, like, this type of story or, like, this character was probably someone she would have been familiar with in her background. And it's interesting because when I think of Susan Sarandon... I think of someone who is not a nun, let's just say, (laughs) when I think of her in her movies. She has this charisma to her, this sexuality that you wouldn't expect her to take a role like this necessarily. I mean, she has others in her career, certainly, but 
I think also at the time, she was with Tim Robbins for years. So he doesn't have a very extensive career as a director, but he directed this one. And she also, I think when people think of Susan Sarandon today, it's kind of impossible not to think of her politics. She is incredibly progressive and far left. That's something that she's come to be known for. Not in the same way that like Jane Fonda is, for instance, but I think it's kind of, I think a lot of people, when they think of her, think of how outspoken she's been about different presidential candidates, about anti-war, about just she's protested a number of issues and she always comes down very far left. And I think that this movie is at its core very anti-death penalty. So it kind of makes sense too that she, in the same way that we talked about Jane Fonda pivoting to more political movies or movies where she could kind of address topics that were interesting to her, this kind of feels that way for Susan Sarandon. But I think she's I think she's great in this movie. I do think Sean Penn has a louder performance and I think he's great in this movie. I think he really really stands out and his role is just more complicated than hers is, I would say, especially on paper. But I do think that this is a good win for her and in the opposite way to Gina Davis, she had to wait a long time for it. This was her fifth nomination. Yeah, I feel like she's a really complex actress. Most recently, she was on Feud, where she played Betty Davis. But yeah, you mentioned Rocky Horror Picture Show. That was one of her younger roles, The Witches of Eastwick, a movie we talked about on here. Also, Lorenzo's Oil. Oh, my favorite, Lorenzo's Oil. (laughs) That's the next Accidental Tourist for me. The Accidental Tourist is far less punishing than Lorenzo's Oil, (laughs) I think. Also, Stepmom. That's the movie I think of when I think of Mm, Susan Sarandon and... She has these really motherly roles. She's committed. She is very loving. But I think she's able to combine all of that with this performance. She has the hard job of facing this convict and all of these people around her saying, why are you doing this? Or the families of the victims saying, how could you do that and come into my home and try to talk to me and understand Mm -hmm. my place in this? And there's a line early on where the priest says like you have to be very steadfast you can't relent because he's going to pick up on that and take advantage of you and Mm -hmm. in every scenario with all of these characters she never backs down from her beliefs and i think that's something that we don't really see in movies you know there are people who can be conformed to new or different ideals in a way but For her, as Sister Helen, nobody can convince her otherwise. And I think that's why this role is so strong. And I think part of why she won. It's a really harrowing movie, but it does stick with you for a few reasons. I think Sean Penn's goatee also stuck with me. I saw that that first thing. I was like a little shocked by. But yeah, I think Sean does. Nineteen ninety five. Yeah, it's very dated. But Sean's performance also great. I'm glad that he was nominated. He does always play these like bad, grimy men that you like don't mm-hmm. want to applaud, but he does a great job at. And there are things in the story like, you know, he is saying he was innocent and his partner did all of these things when they've done the DNA testing. They've, you know, there are scientific things behind this. And when he finally does come clean to her right before he's killed, he's still able to make it an emotional moment, even though it's something that we could have seen probably from the beginning. But I think that final sequence is just really heart-wrenching for everybody. You see the the family coming in and having to say goodbye to the family, and then he calls them. So I think it, it really relies on the women in the movie, notably Susan as Sister Helen, but his mother and bringing her back mm-hmm. into the conversation and seeing how she cares about him and feels about him still even though they don't really keep in touch anymore so this movie definitely sparks more conversation for me i think that this is one that can still be discussed politically and in in the modern day too i think so too and i actually hadn't seen this movie until like a few weeks ago and i was kind of surprised because um, this is actually a play that a lot of catholic schools do oh (laughs) so did you our school didn't do it but the all boys school (laughs) did but yeah i think that what really works for me about susan sarandon's performance here is that she has a really really difficult task of being our guide 
through the movie. So a lot of times you're feeling the same way that she does. And what I like about her is that she's not pious and perfectly in control the entire time. She's not telling everyone else how they should feel. She's figuring it out for herself too, as she goes along. And I think that, you know, Tim Robbins being her husband at the time, he clearly loves her face and you can tell by how he shoots her and by shooting a lot of close up, like she has to carry a lot of that character in just her facial expressions. Sometimes, right, she has to be this like quieter, more calming presence in contrast to Sean Penn's character as he is dealing with the harsh realities of being on death row. And I think here, like, I just love that she's just human. And in those co- those conversations that you were talking about with the victim's parents, I think that's when you can really see it best. She doesn't have any answers. She's trying to, you know, figure out how she feels about everything, too. And to me, it's not over the top. It just, it feels very gentle, like the character, and extremely layered that by the end, when you get to that just absolutely heartbreaking ending, you realize what she also just put herself through in this test of her own faith and her own abilities as a nun. It's the ultimate test for her. And I like that the movie doesn't tell us how to feel either. You talk about this as a play. We should go to the Met next month when it's playing as an opera. Oh my God. Well, she lives in New York. I wonder if she'll go. Oh, we should have seen the hours when it came and we could have done like a series of like movies turned operas. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we should have. But I do have to say, I don't think I would have voted for her for Best Actress this year with this lineup. Who would you give it to, Emma? Meryl Streep in Bridges of Madison Mm. County is pure perfection. So I would say either Meryl or Sharon Stone in Casino, which is just one of my favorite performances across Martin Scorsese's entire filmography. Mm -hmm. So it's just a strong lineup. I think all five are great, actually. I do like that she won for this. This was after Thumb and Louise, so maybe she picked up a few votes from people who had wished she had won for that. Mm-hmm. So if you could give this movie one Oscar, what would it be? It would be for Susan Sarandon. Yeah, this is pretty easy for me. I love the emotional moments in this movie. And when she sings Be Not Afraid, which was one of my favorite songs going to church when I was growing up. A classic. <laughs> This hymn, you know, she's like, oh, I don't sing. But then she ends up like singing this song to him. And I think that's a really just genuine and touching moment in this movie. So yeah, I think when I think of Susan in the future, this will definitely be another performance where I think she gave it her all and will be remembered for it. What Oscar would you give this movie? So when I first watched it, I was like, I thought this is Sean Penn's movie. And this is his first Oscar nomination, too. And I just remember thinking, like, wow, this would have been you know, a great early win for him. Um, Nicolas Cage ended up winning that year for Leaving Las Vegas. But I have to say, as I've been left thinking about the movie, I come back to her, not to him. I think that her performance is really tricky. I just think it's an incredible balancing act, what she has to do throughout the film. And again, with Robbins putting the camera on her in the way that he does so frequently, you are watching her listen to so many characters around her always. She does speak quite frequently in the movie. She has several lines, but a lot of her best acting actually comes from the stillness of her reactions. And that is really hard to do. So yeah, her performance has really, really stuck with me as I've been left thinking about the movie. And I think it's also partly because you never know what she's going to say next. She keeps surprising us throughout this movie. And whether it's in a line or a reaction, I kept being taken aback by just what she was giving us. And I think in the beginning, when, again, she doesn't relent to Matthew taking advantage of her, but she goes, death is breathing down your neck and you're playing your little man on the make games. I'm not here for your amusement, Matthew. And he, in that moment, too, is also taken aback. So I like that Mm -hmm. she can play one-on-one with Sean Penn, or really anyone for that matter. But she really proves her worth really early on in this movie. 
and sustains that throughout. I agree. Okay, so let's get into Thelma and Louise from 1991. Description. Whilst on a short weekend getaway, Louise shoots a man who had tried to rape Thelma. Due to the incriminating circumstances, they make a run for it, and thus a cross-country chase ensues for the two fugitives. Along the way, both women rediscover the strength of their friendship and surprising aspects of their personalities and self-strengths in the trying times. This was directed by Ridley Scott and stars Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis, also Harvey Keitel, a very young Brad Pitt, Mm -hmm. and more. This won one Oscar for original screenplay, and it had five other nominations for director, actress for Davis and Sarandon, film editing, and cinematography. This year at the Oscars, one, I have to say... I love that they were both nominated in lead because mm-hmm. they are both leads. Yes. I think today people would try to put them in supporting like Judas and the Black Messiah. And everyone will be like, wait a second. Who's the lead of that movie? It's not <laughs> Harvey Keitel. But I love that they're both here. Our other nominees, we had Laura Dern for Rambling Rose, Bette Midler for For the Boys. And our winner was Jodie Foster for The Silence of the Lambs. The first thing I have to say is that how did this knock out a Best Picture nomination? I would have nominated this in however many categories they had that year because yeah. it deserved it everywhere. Yeah. A director without a picture nom is awful. Yeah. And okay, so you saw this this year for the first time at Can Talk about your first viewing experience and why you love Thelma and Louise. I just rewatched it for the pod. I mean, I remembered everything from it just a few months ago, but I loved mm-hmm. it just as much. I mean, it was magical watching it on the beach in Cannes, but it really is just a timeless movie. There's, I can't pinpoint anything that is wrong with this movie, with the performances, the way they shoot it, the score by Zimmer, like getting a Western rock Zimmer is something I didn't know I always needed. The screenplay, the coloring, the change in the costume design, the hair and makeup, it just... Every aspect floors me. And in that rousing finale, this will probably make me cry every time I watch it. I mean, just seeing them go on this journey together, transform because of each other, and this awful situation that has been done to them, but them also escaping these traditional roles that they've been put in by society, and seeing them free themselves from that too is just... Such a hopeful, inspiring, fun story to get lost in with them. And I can't see this movie without them. I don't want to try to answer like, oh, if this were remade today, like who would I cast? No, this is the definitive version of Thelma and Louise. And I don't need another one because from the very start to the very end and that fade to white, it's an enrapturing experience that I can't wait to rewatch as soon as I possibly can. Yeah. Did you know the ending before you saw the movie? It took me 30 plus years to see this movie. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. I I had heard Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid or Bonnie and Clyde, you know, references to this movie Mm -hmm. kind of. But I, I didn't know. Like no one ever told me, but I think I just assumed. But there are also moments throughout this movie where it's like, wait, they could make it, can't they? Like they keep escaping and it's like... They could make it and you still really hope for them. And the ending is such a mix of feeling somber, but also hopeful. Yeah, I think that this this is one of the most well-known, truly iconic endings to any movie in history. And I think it's almost impossible to watch this movie before knowing the ending. Mm -hmm. I knew the ending before I saw it, but... I don't think it really takes away from the viewing experience because nothing can actually prepare you for the way that it ends unless you've seen everything leading up to that moment and you've seen like the character changes in Thelma and Louise and you see like how they stick together the entire time and you see like their friendship shift but remain very strong throughout the entire film which makes the ending I think that much better. And I think it is one of the films in film history with a perfect ending. But I think what's what's interesting about this movie, too, is um, a lot of the credit should go to, to Callie Curry, the screenwriter. So she wrote Thelma and Louise because she wanted to have characters that she would want to play. Like, she thought, like, where are these complex women in film? 
And so she wrote this as an answer to that. And many male directors did not want to touch this movie at all. But at the same time, there were also a lot of people who were saying this couldn't be directed by a woman. They didn't want it to be, you know, all of the all of the pejorative things you can imagine people were saying at the time in the early 90s mm-hmm. about what would happen or what this movie would be like if it had a woman directing and writing a story like this. And this movie also, you know, it got a lot of backlash at the time too. People didn't understand it. And for me, this movie, I care about these characters so much about Thelma and Louise more than I do about Bonnie and Clyde or Butch Cassidy and Sundance or any of these characters in Westerns or road movies that I think this movie influences. And that is all because of Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon's performances. I think that they are both just absolutely perfect in this movie. And they couldn't be more different as characters, which is also what I like. Thelma is at first, she's married to this horrible man, Daryl, and she makes really, really bad decisions because she's not thinking. And then meanwhile, you have Louise. She knows exactly what she wants to do at any given time. She's like, let me think like we need to stop so I can think and I can plan and I can have, you know, everything ready. But then as the film progresses, you see Thelma start to come into her own without Daryl and kind of take on this personality as an outlaw where she's like, hey, I'm kind of good at this. The scene when we see her hold up that convenience store and rob it via the footage Mm. from the camera is so, so funny um, to me just watching it that way. But yeah, I think it's interesting that Ridley Scott took this on. I think he's actually a really good director for it because it is shot like an action movie. And we have a lot of really, like, quick cuts. It's really tense at times, but also really focused on the character. And that's what he did so well in Alien, too. So I think, like, if you're looking at his filmography, you could say, oh, like, this is kind of an outlier in his filmography. Why did Ridley Scott make that movie? But for me, I mean, outside of Alien, I do think this is his best movie. Yeah, it's kind of surprising that it's a Ridley Scott picture, but it does have all those other elements. I mean, this being a Western, this is my favorite Western of all time, not a genre that I ever really identify with. So I don't love Westerns, but it's also this mix of genre. And I think that's why it's so enticing as well to watch. In the Criterion 4K release, the new release that just came out, they have little snippets of Corey's screenplay. And initially her idea to write this movie was, and it shows her handwriting, it goes, two women go on a crime spree, they're leaving town, both leaving behind their jobs and families. They kill a guy, rob a store, get hooked up with a young guy, and kill themselves, live forever. So it's such a simple movie idea. You know, it's it's two female best friends going on a vacation for a weekend and kind of turning that on its head and filling in those blanks in between all of these things is really where the movie has so much heart. It's in getting to know these characters, even though they're on the run, their friendship is put to the test, but it becomes even stronger because of what is happening. And I think to see that change throughout just makes the movie even more real and something that you can identify with at least parts of these characters. Yeah. So I used to not really think of this as a Western. I used to think of it almost exclusively as a road movie. But the more and more that I watch it, I do tend to think of it as a Western because it feels almost like a myth or like some tall tale that you would hear about, you know, years later, like, oh, there were these two women, Thelma and Louise, they went away on this trip and they never came back because they ended up being outlaws and fugitives and they drove their car off the side of a cliff, right? And I think that that part of it, it feeling like a tall tale or a myth, and the Western setting itself make it feel like a true Western while also encompassing all of these radical tones that somehow the script and these actresses really balance very well. And I like too that it feels kind of like they're in another movie. A screenwriter or the director would say like, oh, these two, you know, they're running away from the men in their lives or their problems at home 
and we would see like a man and a woman doing this or two men but it's rare that you see two women in roles like this or a movie about two women that just feels like very very refreshing especially for the time i mean i guess do we talk about the kiss at the end and what that represents then it's so great it always makes me cry but when thelma at the very end says let's keep going and then you cut to louise and she says you sure and it's that realization in that moment of where they are that they're in this together that they can't go back the lives that they had are very much in the past they were different people mm-hmm. a couple of days ago not even that so that is and there's this rushing score happening zimmer's score in the background and again the visuals the like sweeping aerial shots and especially when the helicopter comes in at the end and like swirls all the smoke and you can just see the dirt particles on their faces like i love mm-hmm. even those small details but yeah seeing them fly off of that cliff and that's something they talk about too in this little booklet but flying being free and that capture at the very end pauses them from actually dying so that's also what makes us so timeless and so beautiful is that we don't see the aftermath from the perspective of Mm -hmm. the police or you know the men don't actually kill them it's all on their volition and their choice to end their lives and not give them up i love how you feel leaving this movie yeah and i do love at the end too number one they look so good in this movie Mm -hmm. when they're just like in in their tank tops and high-waisted jeans with like the dirt all over them i'm like how could i ever recreate this look i could not this is so just like perfect for this movie but yeah they look better in my opinion when they've been just like on the road Mm -hmm. forever than they do at the beginning when they are all dolled up and start their journey together like start this trip because and the ending reminds you of where they start because it'll it shows that picture Mm -hmm. of them and it's like that is such a distant memory like who are those women it's incredible they're gone yeah it's so i don't know it's i yeah i find the ending sad but like very beautiful at the same time. And I agree with you. I'm glad that it never, it doesn't have the finality that I think it could. It obviously is very final, but just having it stop on the car, getting that perfect shot of their hands clasped together. Mm -hmm. Like it is, it is so, so good. So yeah, I, I love the ending and I love just how for the two of them, like you kind of get why, you know, in the end when they're just having that conversation like you mentioned and when they kiss and they they grab each other's hands and go over the edge, you also realize that like none of the other people in their lives, like Jimmy and Daryl and really anyone else, they weren't right for them. They were around when they didn't want them to be around. They took advantage of them. And for Thelma and for Louise, like they were each other's person, really. So it's just, again, this kind of beautiful ending to it all and what i like about that too is throughout like they're experiencing so much horror so much danger so much violence but there's also always a levity to it where they'll kind of be laughing back and forth with each other or joking to each other about this vacation that they went on Mm -hmm. so i like that and i think without again without the great script without the performances of these two I think it would be hard to find it believable and not just kind of silly. Yeah, I think that duality is something that plays on the ideas of the movie itself, too. I love when Louise gets off the phone with the cops at the end, she gets back in the car and says, we're wanted for murder. And Thelma just responds, oh, they have anything positive to say? That's so good. (laughs) There's always, yeah, this comedy, even though these situations are so dark. And I think the flip to Mm -hmm. that... Later on, I love the shot of Christopher McDonald as Daryl. And I think, you know, he has a comedic past too. I think of Happy Gilmore, but he's also this caricature of a person in this movie as this horrible husband. But Mm -hmm. there's a shot of him at the end when the descriptions of Thelma and Louise are being read over some intercom like between the cops to say the, you know, like Thelma 510 description of her hair, blah, blah, blah. But the camera is on Daryl and just obviously he's not Mm -hmm. listening to this. Everything is non-diegetic and you just see him as it 
gets closer onto his face and kind of his realization of what has happened. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he's probably not smart enough to realize, like, what did I do? But it's like he is somewhat responsible for this, too. You know, she's she wanted to get away from him because of who he is and how he treats her. That first scene with when she's in the kitchen and she goes to get him and she's like scared to say his name. And she goes, Mm -hmm. Daryl. And it's like the quietest thing nobody would ever hear. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then she screams at him and gets upset. But I love all these little things that they sprinkle in there too. I really also love how Ridley Scott and the DP, Adrian Biddle, keep a lot of the men inside. And the scenes are very dark. Like the lighting is very dark. Their clothing is very dark. There's even a scene when, which is a, a great scene, when they lock a cop who they think is onto them in the back of his trunk after shooting out his tires. So again, it's like constricting men to these really small interior spaces where Thelma and Louise are out in the wide open. And it's just, a, again, it's a unique contrast there between how the men and the women are shot in the movie. And I also like how it's, it's sort of a rape revenge thriller. And mm-hmm. we know what happens to Louise in Texas, but we also don't know, right? Like, we don't have a flashback to that of why she doesn't want to cut through Texas from Oklahoma to get to Mexico. And, yeah, I like that there's this really dark thing that connects these two women, but it never feels sentimental or, like, they're trying too hard to say something about that. It's just a reality that exists for these women because of the horrible men in their environment. Mm -hmm. So my question for you, we're not going to recast Thelma and Louise because I think that Susan Sarandon and Gina Davis are perfect, but we need to talk about Brad Pitt in this movie. And if you had to put someone from today into that role, who would you pick? Because I had a very clear idea when I was watching this. I thought, Oh, there is a very clear Hmm. successor to this performance. I do love when she's talking about how cute his butt is. She's like, did you see his butt? And then she says, you could park a car in the shadow of his ass about Daryl not having a butt at all. So good. That's one of the best quotes for sure. And there's so many other quotes that I love from the movie. There's one early on and it foreshadows the whole movie for us. It's when Thelma and Louise are leaving and Louise picks up Thelma and she has like so many suitcases with her. She brings a taco box. She has fishing rods. Mm -hmm. And Louise goes, you don't need the lantern. The place where we're going has electricity. And she goes, no, I still want it in case some psycho killer is on the loose and tries to kill us. And it's like, that is Mm -hmm. who they become. And then she brings the gun, which again, we know that they're going to use. But a lot of my favorite quotes, I think, are just really comical. Like it's Susan Sarandon's delivery Mm -hmm. at the end of, We'll be drinking margaritas by the sea, mamacita. It's also funny that Susan Sarandon and Tim Robbins both have movies where they effectively (laughs) become on the run (laughs) from police on their way to Mexico (laughs) and dream of going to Mexico. (laughs) And being on the beach. With Shawshank, of course. For Brad Pitt, though, I'm trying to think of like new, young, hot actors Mm-hmm. And I'm blanking. I can tell you who I have. Austin Butler was born oh. for this role. <laughs> well, there's the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood connection, too. I feel like they yeah, both have Tex. that. Mm-hmm. The blonde hair, like the voice, the kind of like devil may care attitude mm-hmm. could come across as kind of dumb if he wanted to. I think it would work. Originally, that was supposed to be Robert Downey Jr., but he was too short for Gina Davis, they thought. So they cast someone <laughs> oh taller God. and it was Brad Pitt. Gina Davis, they say she's 5'10 in the movie, but she's six feet tall. Yeah. She's a tall, tall actress. So kind of wrapping up here, just with them both getting nominated, none of them winning for this. I mean, me asking myself, who would I vote for? It's like flip a coin. So I think that's the problem is there's I'm sure there was a lot of vote splitting happening because people couldn't choose. Or if they did choose, Gina Davis just won, so okay, give it to Susan. But I don't think that's enough. And I know you really love The Silence of the Lambs, so I'm curious of what you think of, would you have given it to Gina or Susan or left it with Jody? I would absolutely leave it with Jodie Foster. <laughs> that performance is one of my favorite Best Actress wins, period. Top three, top five. I don't have a 
full ranking, but it would be that performance would be very high. Mm -hmm. Just a character we never see. The performance I think is absolutely flawless. So I would not take away Jodie's Oscar by any means. That's just not not for me. But I do love both Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon in this, and I don't think it would be a case where like if Susan Sarandon would have won this Oscar. I don't think that's a bad win. I don't think it would age poorly by any means. But I think The Silence of the Lambs was just a juggernaut at the Oscars. It won the big five. And this couldn't even get a picture nomination. So I think that for these two, I think the reasons really are just like The Silence of the Lambs was way too strong. Gina Davis had just won. And I think you're right. Like it's hard, I think, to pick a favorite. My favorite performance between the two of them really does change even throughout one viewing of the movie but yeah I just I love them both so it's hard to choose I will say I love the flip that we see with Thelma like I love when Gina Davis just starts getting very bold with that gun and (laughs) you're like Daryl is a memory like Mm -hmm. he is he is gone he is in her past I absolutely love that but I also am much more like Louise, I would say, and like find myself like very drawn to her resolve, her determination, her kind of like steadfast commitment to finding a path forward for them, even though like she was the one who killed the guy at the beginning. She was the one who was defending her friend. And I'm really like just drawn to Susan Sarandon in the movie. Like I just, I, whenever I watch her, I'm like, oh my God, I'm obsessed with you in this movie. You're so so perfect in every single scene but it's still yeah it's hard to pick between the two of them so I understand why they won their Oscars for different movies but I think that for either of them and a best actress Oscar for this movie would be better than what they ended up getting but at the same time the best outcome would have been if they tied a three-way or a two-way a two-way I think like for them like they one could not win without the other they would be supportive of each other too, though, I think, which... Oh, for sure. For yeah. sure. I think I would err on voting for Susan Sarandon over Gina, but I do have a really fun Oscar scene for Gina, and it's when the morning after her and JD have sex, and she oh shows up at this diner. <laughs> Worst bedhead in the world. and It's amazing. She is literally a new woman. When she points out the hickey on her neck... <laughs> it's so good too because louise is also like yes like you know now good like good for you yeah (laughs) it's just so great louise just looks at her and she goes what's wrong with you she goes nothing why do i seem different she says yeah now that you mention it you either seem crazy or you're on drugs and she points to the higgy and she's like well i'm not on drugs but it might be crazy (laughs) and her delivery is so good Ugh. yeah I mean, Susan, again, I feel like we could have a few Oscar scenes for her. Probably one when she's on the phone. I feel like her conversations with Hal in those moments are really good. But Mm -hmm. again, I I do like the tie scenario. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the most fun. But yeah, I would for, for Susan Sarandon, I would also pick the scene when she says, you know, certain words and phrases just keep drifting through my mind. Things like incarceration, cavity search death by electrocution, life imprisonment, shit like that. You know what I'm saying? So do I want to come out alive? I don't know. And that's like a little, a good Mm -hmm. little bit of foreshadowing to the ending too. I think one last question, like, yes, Ridley Scott did get nominated for director. The five picture nominees that year, Silence of the Lambs won. This was also the big year with Beauty and the Beast. Bugsy, Mm -hmm. JFK, and The Prince of Tides. Would you have kept... The Silence of the Lambs winning the Big Five, and or what would you have switched out if you nominated Thumb and Louise for picture? Ooh, okay. So I would keep the Big Five with The Silence of the Lambs. That is just, it's one of my movies, so I feel like it just has to stay that way. I love this movie, so I am not taking any Oscars away from it. I would have given Ted Levine supporting actor, too. But what I will say is that I think for Thelma and Louise, the original screenplay win is a really strong one and mm-hmm. shows the strength, I think, of both of those movies with Silence of the Lambs winning and adapted. If I had to take a movie out of Best Picture, I would first take out The Prince of Tides 
I don't think that is the best adaptation of that book by Pat Conroy. I am not a fan of the film version of The Prince of Tides. I would keep The Silence of the Lambs, Beauty and the Beast, and JFK. I could also find another movie from that year to replace Bugsy with. I would probably actually go with Boys in the Hood, which got a director nomination but not picture. So yeah, I would take those two out. But I would keep all the wins with Silence of the Lambs because I love that movie too much. I would definitely have nominated it for picture. That Mm -hmm. goes without saying. Yeah, easy. An original screenplay, Silence being adapted... That's great. They can both win there. But I would have given it other wins, too. Well, Hans Zimmer wasn't nominated for score. That's definitely a big snub. Costume Costume design. design. (laughs) I always go to period films, but I love the costumes in this movie. It's just too good. Yeah. I mean, people have been Thelma and Louise every single year for Halloween since (laughs) this movie came out. The costumes are... You just think of those Mm -hmm. when you think of the movie. But I understand, like, for contemporary... It's harder. Mm -hmm. I think the editing is great, too. I also, while I'm allowed to talk about the Silence of the Lambs on a non-Silence of the Lambs pod, I would have given that an Art Direction nomination as well. I think it absolutely deserved to get into that category. Solely for what they do with Buffalo Bill's house and that Mm -hmm. basement. The Museum of Moving Image has the drawings and like renderings of Mm -hmm. that. It's so cool. So many details. And makeup and hairstyling for this i would have oh yeah there's a distinct moment in the movie where thelma is about to put on lipstick in the mirror in the car and she decides not to and throws it away that adds to her character development too but i think you know as a note on the makeup and hairstyling even just how it looks in the movie too but it's Mm -hmm. like an important note there that i like so if you could give this movie one oscar what would it be I would give Susan Sarandon Best Actress. I know I said earlier it's a coin flip, but I think if I had to just pick one, if I can't do my tie like I would want, she's the performance I do tend to think about most often when I think of this movie. And I feel like she is so in control of this character. And it's just so fun to watch her in this movie. And... She also has to bring her character's backstory, which we thankfully never see. She has to make that still so believable for us. You know, every all everything with Texas, like we know so much about what happened to her just through her face and her stubbornness, right? Of not talking about it, of not wanting to drive through Texas. We learn so much about the character just through those little moments with her. And again, in a similar way to Dead Man Walking, that's just all in her face. And that's that's so important. What about you? This is a picture scenario for me, which makes it very mm. hard because I would love a tie. I would love to give multiple Oscars, but I think I'm going to go with screenplay. And yes, it was the Oscar that it won, but I think there's so much in this script that's not said also that plays so well. I think Corey just added so much that seemed so revolutionary for 1991 i mean even if this were made today i would be surprised that they got away with certain things so yeah i'm just really happy that this was made so with the one-liners that i love this movie for or just how the scenes are set up to the conversations that these women have together i think there are a lot of aspects to the screenplay that just really pop and again it's a movie where all of its components come together perfectly and while I want to award the actresses which really carry this movie I'm trying to be a little bit more holistic about my approach so screenplay it is that's fair you had to make up for it by <laughs> not giving the accidental can I have an extra <laughs> <laughs> I'll award Gina here we'll do that okay we'll split it that's good <laughs> I feel better now So that was our episode on Gina Davis and Susan Sarandon, our They Won for That special, we will say. So go watch these three films if you haven't yet, but definitely I would say prioritize Thelma and Louise. It is a classic for a reason, and I think it's safe to say that we don't think you'll be disappointed if you haven't seen it and want to check it out. This is definitely a rewatchable for me, too. Mm It's very easy, I think, to just get sucked back into it. And it's always, always a fun time. Yeah, right now you can watch The Accidental Tourist on Canopy. And 
Dead Men Walking on Hoopla or Paramount Plus. Thelma and Louise is available to rent on VOD or, like I mentioned, the new Criterion 4K is beautiful. Yes, get the Criterion 4K. Physical media is always the best option if you can. And next time on Oscar Wilde, we have our big episode. It is back. The fourth annual award season fantasy draft. We have some fun surprises for this one, including listener participation and the return of one of our favorite guests, Bennett Prosser. Very excited for our fourth round and judging things up a little bit. Um, I think with Mm -hmm. the shakeups that we've had this year and the strikes ongoing, we wanted to try to make it a little different and see how things go looking at festivals that we have those lineups for currently and other movies still to come out this year. And I know we have plenty of favorites already that we may mention. Mm -hmm. So I'm really excited for yeah, our biggest episode of the year always. We also have become too strong as a pair. We need to be so naturally, <laughs> I think we need to be separated again and compete against each other. <laughs> well, thank you all again for listening. You can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Oscar Wilde Pod. Also, bonus content on Patreon.com/slash Oscar Wilde. Thank you all for listening. We'll see you next time. Thank you.